You're listening to the Exhibitionist Podcast, hosted by Nicola Reeder. This podcast is brought to you by InspiringExhibitors.com and Pro Extra, a wholly owned division of 12th Man Solutions Limited. Hi there, and welcome to episode 39 of the Exhibitionist Podcast. Or should I say, welcome back. It is fantastic to be speaking to you again. I can't believe it was all the way back in April when we were last on air. And what an incredible year it has been. Firstly, let us just say that our hearts go out to everyone who has been affected, both personally and professionally, by the pandemic this year. It has been a really, really tough time. And all we can hope is that you have navigated these past challenging months as comfortably as you possibly can. But welcome back. It is great to be speaking to you again. We are delighted to have you listening and we have got some packed episodes coming up full of inspiration, advice, solutions and positivity about getting the exhibitions industry back open again and getting visitors and exhibitors exchanging contracts, building relationships on the show floor. Before we get into today's episode, just a quick update on what we've been doing since we were last on air in April. Well, we did end up on furlough ourselves, so we have had a little bit of time away from the business, which is always difficult when it's your own business. You're always thinking about the business, even if you're not working in it. But we haven't wasted our time. We have been involved locally with our own community in helping people who are self-isolating or shielding with anything that they may have needed. Steve, who is the male half of uh, Pro Extra, if you have seen us on the show floor and looks a little bit like Gandalf, has been picking up some work as a beard model and extra. So you can find him on Instagram under Silver Bearded Steve if you want to follow his exploits. And for me personally, I trained as an independent celebrant. So I am now writing and officiating weddings, funerals and baby namings. So any kind of ceremony that you want to uh, go ahead with to celebrate a life event. So I guess if you want to get married at an exhibition, that would be an absolutely awesome project to work on. So if we have a couple out there working in the exhibitions industry and you kind of fancy having your big day on the show floor, then give me a call and I am sure we can make that happen. So we've definitely been busy, but we are now really, really excited to be back working on exhibitions again. But we are really, really excited to be back working on exhibitions again And we have some fantastic projects in the pipeline. We are currently working on the conference programmes for the UK Food and Drink Week with William Reid, the Emergency Services Show with 19, and we're also working on uh, the Fit Show with Montgomery, plus some other events as well. So it's looking like a fantastic lineup next year for Q2. And we're also working with the Department for International Trade on a number of webinars about how you now need to shift your preparations for exhibiting internationally in the new post-COVID world. So get in touch with us if you want to um, find out any more about any of those projects that we're working on or need any help or advice. Before we get to today's interview, I just wanted to draw your attention to what I thought was a brilliant piece of research done by Explory and Ufi, who are obviously, as you will know, the two um, industry organisations that look at research and representing um, everybody within the industry. And they did a piece of research over the summer, um, talking to about 9,000 people across a number of of countries. And and this absolutely isn't my research. Go and have a look on Explory or Ufi's site and see if you can find it. But it was just looking into... When did exhibitors think they were going to be coming back to exhibitions? How much did they think they would be investing compared to previously? Um, Kind of what was the feeling around virtual? How were people responding to it? 
And there were some great and really positive uh, statistics coming out of that research. For example, almost 30% of exhibitors saying that they planned to their, for their budgets to come back to pre-COVID levels as soon as exhibitions open up again. So not planning to cut their budgets in any way, which is such a positive statement about how much they value exhibitions. There's a lot of research out there about how people are missing that face-to-face contact. And actually, that virtual events have been a brilliant alternative while we have been in the position that we have, but that actually visitors are looking for content. So it's really driven around their learning and their development in terms of information about the industry. Those virtual events aren't really having the pull through for exhibitors in establishing relationships, building networks and doing business in the same way that a live event does. So really on, early on in the pandemic, I was quite concerned that I was hearing a big debate about, well, which one's going to survive? Is it live or is it virtual? Who's going to win? And actually, the more I'm hearing, I don't think it's one or the other. I don't think we'll ever go completely virtual. And I think now that we've seen what virtual can do, there's a fantastic opportunity for live events to really embrace those platforms, embrace the technology and build hybrid events that reach new audiences that would never have come to their show because it was just too far away to engage people in a different way. And there's just a huge opportunity for all of us, whether you're an exhibitor, a visitor or an event organiser, to really add more value for everybody within the footprint of an exhibition. So, as I say, that that research was done by Explorer. You can find it on their website. And uh, it was also uh, featured at the Event Marketers Masterclass that Sophie Holt delivered. And I just thought it was a it's a brilliant piece of research for getting you up to speed on where the industry is now and where it's uh, maybe going in the future. And my one favourite quote of the year so far comes out of the Dusseldorf Caravan Show, which happened in September, where they got half the number of visitors about 107,000 versus over 200,000 that they normally get, but that their exhibitors were actually suggesting, reporting that they had better sales and better quality conversations from a lower number of visitors. So for those of you who are saying the footfall isn't going to be the same in 2021, it isn't. But if you're an exhibitor, that absolutely works in your favour. It's all about quality and not quantity. So please don't be afraid of investing in events in events in 2021 if you're hearing that numbers are going to be down because that's a really good thing for you as an exhibitor give me a shout if you want to know more about how you can make that work to your advantage so i am sure you have heard enough of me for this week so i'm going to move on to our conversation which we're delighted to be speaking this week to simon parker who is the evp industrial at informa but he's also the chair, the current chair of the Association of Event Organisers. And we wanted to talk to him about everything that the association had been doing to help the industry and what he's looking forward to about getting back on the show floor. So over to Simon. Um, On this week's episode of the Exhibitionist podcast, we are delighted to be joined by Simon Parker, who is the Executive Vice President Industrial for Informa. So welcome to the show, Simon. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thanks for asking me. It's great to have you on board for the second of our relaunched series. Um, And I think it's really important in your role at Informa, but also we'll get into talking about your role at the Association of Event Organisers, just to try and help everybody in the industry feel really confident and optimistic and positive about the future in terms of where exhibitions are going and how we're going to do them safely. So it's going to be a great episode speaking to you today. Let's hope so. Just in terms of my background, I mean, I'm um, a proud northerner, so I'm, I'm from 
from up north in Grimsby and I came down to London and actually got into exhibitions via uh, the sales route really so and I started um, at Montgomery actually and you said that you've worked for Montgomery and worked with them um, and it was for me an absolute perfect grounding in in the business of exhibitions because of one the people the people as you'll know it's a, it's quite a quirky company but it's um, a brilliant company and it's it's kind of it's built on some really good principles of how to do business, um, a real excitement about events and knowledge about events. And one of the things that I always remember is Sandy would always, they'd always do, you know, sort of stuff that other organisers wouldn't do. They'd go into, I don't know, the Congo or they'd go into these crazy places and launch shows because one, they, they loved exhibitions. Two, they realised the, the kind of power of them. And three, I think they quite liked the idea of doing it where other companies hadn't. Um, so I, that was brilliant. Um, I think it also taught me around the importance of a brand. I worked, worked on IFE, which I'm sure you'll know, which yeah. is a great food, a food exhibition, which is just, you know, one, I, I love food and I have great passion for that food, but the industry itself is great. And, you know, I saw... On a couple of occasions, companies who are now household names, um, who kind of used that as a platform, you know, literally last throw of the dice, um, exhibited and then built a business off the base of it. Um, and Red Bull was one of those. And um, you might remember uh, Phileas Fogg, who were a um, Mamsey Road concert, you may, may remember, bought a stand. It was literally their last budget. Uh, and therefore, it, for me, it kind of it made me think about how significant what we were doing is to those industries. Um, and I think Montgomery's got that. Um, I then went from that to Blenheim. So uh, Blenheim, again, were great pioneers in the event business in that they were incredible entrepreneurs. And it was very much to the, the days of build it and, um, and they will come. And, and they were launching prolifically and in lots of different sectors. Uh, and again, I was surrounded by some really talented people who I think, you know, have really shaped the way that I am and the way that I think. And, you know, people like, I mean, Paul Tandy was there, David Pegler, Richard Pegler, Doug Elmsley was there, um, Jane uh, Risby, um, Simon Foster, all those sorts of names who then obviously went on to, you know, form other parts of the business or, or run other parts of the business, um, but were, you know, very much part of that formative part of my career uh, and then bringing it up I won't bang on for too long but um, just bringing it up to the kind of here and now um, I kind of went through the whole UBM uh, piece so the Miller Freeman CMP and all of the names and iterations that that had uh, which culminated most recently uh, in the merger with uh, Informa uh, which was over two years ago now um, and um, got a role, a new role um, within that organisation because that organisation was, um, uh, or the organisation we now um, operate in is, is run slightly differently from UBM, which was very geographically split. Um, and for UBM, I looked after very much the UK and Turkey, actually. But for Informer, it's more vertical, so they're very much um, sectorially split um, and organised. So I now run something called Industrial, um, which sounds very glamorous um, and covers a whole a whole load of stuff um, from energy to set, uh, security, health and safety, logistics. Um, it does intermodal, um, but also um, I look after Turkey, which is a, a brilliant market, one I, I love um, with a passion. 
um, and we have uh, shows there in jewellery and agriculture and, um, and and traffic and cleaning and all sorts of stuff and light. So uh, yeah, it's a, a ma- amazingly varied, um, amazing um, business to work in. Um, and yet, obviously, we're we're in somewhat difficult, choppy waters at the moment. Yeah. So, Simon, it has been a really challenging year for this industry and just generally. So, how have you navigated the last few months, both personally but also professionally? It's uh, a great question, uh, and I think it's one that we're all asking ourselves because I think you know it's touched on everybody, and and um, I'm by no means. Um, you know, sort of different from anybody else. In fact, you know, there's there's been whole sectors of our industry that um, you know are on the verge of being wiped out. So it's it is really an existential sort of time in in the exhibition world. Um, and I guess uh, to answer your question, it really is to dig in into the reserves that you know I don't think anybody any of us knew that we had. Um, but I think that one of the things that this industry has shown me over many many years is um, it's incredibly resilient. Um, we have bounced back from lots of um, adversity in the past, whether it's um, you know SARS or whether it's um, other recessions throughout the time that we've we've run exhibitions. Um, and we're also incredibly resourceful. We we the people that it attracts are incredibly resourceful. They're entrepreneurial generally. They're very creative. Um, they care passionately about what they do. And I think. You know, the, the good ones that operate very close to markets um, will come back. And I think that's kind of what's really kept me going, which is the sense that the models still really sound. You know, what we do is bring communities together. We allow them to do business um, or we don't allow them, but we facilitate them to, to do business. Um, and therefore, you know, we will have a massive part to play, I think, in the recovery when that comes. You know, clearly at the moment, it really is getting... Uh, and I'm sure we'll get onto it a bit later on about getting that permission to run. Um, but when we do get that, then you know we we are we will continue to be the economic generators that we've always been. We will continue to bring communities together, um, and you know I've got no doubt that the the model will evolve and change. I mean, it'll come back in I think in, in different ways, um, but I think that the model, the underlying principles of what we do, are absolutely sound. So I think that's kept me going. Um, and then it's around, I think, the people as well. And, and what has surprised me is the reaction of my team and, and the people that's around me, which has been similar. I mean, we've all dealt with it differently and we've all had our own circumstances. But in the main, um, you know, people have really risen to the challenge. And I think certainly at Informa and also in more broadly across the industry, um, you know, we are really trying to, trying to um, face this head on. Um, and we're trying to face it with, you know, with great conviction that, you know, we've we've got the answers that will eventually bring us into a better place. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's fantastic to hear you speak so positively about the role that exhibitions will play in every business recovery. You know, people, businesses want to get back to the show floor and meet customers. And you talked in your introduction about working on IFE, Big Food and Drink Exhibition. We work on, on um, a number of food food shows. And there's nothing like walking the floor and smelling and tasting and feeling and touching. And as right. brilliant as um, virtual platforms have been in building a bridge during the time we've needed them, you just don't get the same reaction as you would no. when you stood there with a the supplier tasting their product for the first time. 
No, and it's kind of what got us all into this, isn't it? That buzz of the show floor and and the you know the fact that you know people are doing business and you know one of the encouraging pieces of work that I don't know if you've seen it, but more recently that's been published uh, by Explorey and Ufi actually was published a couple of days ago, um, and it gives um, a real idea of sentiment both within the exhibitor and visitor communities, um, and both are saying well one exhibitors are saying we, we are really hurting because we can't exhibit because we can't generate new business and we can't network and we can't um, meet our customers face-to-face. And therefore that's having a detrimental effect on our businesses. Um, but also the fact that, you know, that um, visitors likewise really want to get back to, to doing business face-to-face. So I think that's a really encouraging um, piece of news. And I think it, it's something that, and also, you know, in terms of budgets, they think that budgets will come back within 12 months, which I, I think that's that's maybe um, optimistic. But at the same time, you know, that is, is great news for the industry that we're, we're hopefully, you know, when it, when it comes back, it will be relatively rapid. Um, so, uh, and, and you're right, I think that there are substitutes. And one of the other things that I think we've all learned um, is, you know, we need to have other methods by which we put buyer and seller together. Uh, and I know lots of organisers have already started doing that pre-COVID, but certainly the the learning curve has been very steep and very rapid um, in the last six months in terms of, as you mentioned, virtuals, hybrid events, webinars, you know, sort of meetings-based, um, you know, sort of platforms. Call them what you want, but most organisers now realise that one, we need to be doing that. We need to be obviously ensuring that we invest in technology. We invest in other things other than face-to-face and that we do it in a way that obviously delivers value to our customers. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, um, it's great to see those organisers who are taking on a wider responsibility for bringing communities together. That's a phrase you've used quite frequently in, in terms of what exhibition organisers do. And it is about more than just on the, the show floor, which is, is brilliant because to get build that community year round just means that your show, when it opens, is going to be even stronger. Um, So obviously the the organisation you work for, huge global um, stretch, uh, exhibitions are starting to open up around the world. Just looking globally, are there any trends that you're recognising from those markets that have reopened? Yeah, I mean, uh, the biggest one is obviously where where they are. Um, And clearly, you know, what we've seen is um, some really strong events back in China. Um, So uh, we've seen two, you know, sort of huge events of sort of over 100,000 people. Um, And, you know, the trends there are clearly, one, um, they appear to have got the virus um, under control. Um, Two, uh, it's a huge domestic market. So, you know, it's those events are primarily domestic, um, both exhibitor and visitor. Um, So therefore, that's the first trend in in that, you know, what we are going to have to get used to in the short term is obviously domestic events. Um, The other thing I think is important is the the ones that we're seeing. um, It's all about exhibitor sentiment. It's it's what we need to be um, very mindful of is what the market's feeling, you know, what the industry is feeling at any particular time and then respond quickly to it. I think, you know, that what we can't do is force um, these events on communities that are not ready for them, um, either because of um, you know, the, the, the geographical location or other reasons. So I think that we need to be really responsive to our markets. Uh, there are certain markets that really need them um, and have really clear value propositions. So I think the more transactional shows uh, are the ones that we're sensing will come back quicker. 
so things uh, like, I mean, for the jewelry jewelry exhibitions that we run are, are a classic example, whereby you know that whole industry um, is effectively um, the engine of of their transactions and growth is is our exhibition business. You know, they literally go around the world, whether it's Hong Kong, um, the US, Turkey, the Middle East, wherever it is effectively transacting, doing business, selling products at our shows. And therefore, there's a real need to reopen and a real desire to reopen. Um, I think that, again, you know, what we're seeing is that when that happens, we need to really focus on the quality of our audience as well. Uh, and I think that we'll see out of this a real focus on ensuring that we're delivering absolutely the right buyers um, and and also in terms of formatting of our shows, I think there will be more concierge. So I think there will be more um, putting buyer and sellers together in a more structured way. Um, I, st I still think there will be a role for serendipity and, and you know those those chance meetings. But I think that um, we will be, we'll be orchestrating that that those connections far more. Um, I mean the other actually going back slightly to the the, the digital side of things is that. You know, the one of the things that the um, digital platforms have allowed us to do is access completely new buyers, so buyers that wouldn't necessarily go to our um, events. I think something like forty percent of our attendees at our virtuals don't go to physical, so that that gives us a whole new data set that we can market to. So that's that's great, but also the insight that that then gives us. So what content they're absorbing, what sessions they're interested in what buying decisions they're making, all helps us, I think, um, in the way that we market our physical shows because we've got far more insight. Um, and, and we were kind of going down that route before now, but I think that what this will do is bring that into sharp focus um, and we will really start, you know, focusing far more on quality. And I think, um, sorry, to pick up on that, it's such an, uh, an important point because we've had clients of ours saying... I'm thinking about exhibiting next year, but the organisers have told me that audience numbers, visitor numbers might be down slightly. Should I therefore yeah. not invest? And we're saying absolutely not. Lower numbers are a good thing. You just need to make sure who you want to speak to. You'll have fewer time wasters. Yeah. You'll have a more targeted audience. You'll have people who are taking the risk of going to a big event like this because they need it for their business. They're going to be more um, oh, God, in a position yeah. to buy. All of those things yeah. are really good for you as an exhibitor. So just don't worry too much if the numbers are down a little bit or the audience is a little bit more yeah. domestic. Just make sure yeah. that you're finding the right people of that smaller audience who are going. It's, it's good news yeah. for exhibitors, I think. I think so. Um, and, you know, uh, I think, as you, as you rightly say, the people that then make uh, the time and effort to go to those shows are going to be, you know, totally in buying mode um, and totally, you know, wanting to meet potential new suppliers. So, you know, out of this, we could create, I think, a far more targeted, as I said, you know, qualified audience. And I think that's that's the other thing, you know, with, again, going back to the digital piece is that we need to wrap this up with, so what, we're, what, what we'll be selling will be access points to a market over, you know, a year. Um, and it will be maybe a webinar here around, tech, you know, it's, it's stuff that we've been talking about for many years, but I think that at the same time, it's been, it's accelerated. Um, and therefore, I think that the physical event is, is just part of the blended solution that we're going to be offering um, across the piece. Um, and, and I think that that's that's great for potential uh, uh, suppliers and, and our customers. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that blended solution is a it's a great phrase. It's not one I've actually heard used, um, surprisingly, so anybody mentioned, but I think that where it's the case of a webinar, uh, some other platforms across the year and a live show, it's perfect. And, and as you say, access to a targeted mar market, it becomes much more about just the physical exhibition. So, um, yeah. so thinking, I sorry. I think there's, there's one thing that actually stems from that, though, is, is if you think about what we do, so we have, you know, our levers are effective, or levers, that sounds awful, but what we do is we've got, you know, we're only as good as our data, we're only as good as our people, we're only as good as our brand. So if you take those three, those are the, the kind of three variables. And, you know, obviously what we try and do is ensure that we've got the best people, the best teams and uh, and everything else. Um, obviously our brands, you know, some of which have been running for years have got great brand loyalty. Um, and then the data piece, I think, is the one that we need, we're, we're, we're still not struggling with, but we're, we're coming at it um, probably late in the day. Um, I think that we're making great strides. I think that, you know, the way that we market and the way that we segment and the way that we use persona marketing and marketing automation, all the things that we've been trying to do are great. But I think we need to get way better at that. I think we need to make sure that our data is absolutely amazing and that, you know, it is fit for purpose and that the leads that we create are, are qualified, that the leads that we create, are, you know, we can think of ways that we can augment them as well and you know and really drill down into them and, and become um a real uh effectively marketing services agency that is is underpinned by this incredible data that details projects transactions you know every, all of the stuff that we, we know that's that's in that data but we haven't necessarily mined as well as we can yeah yeah absolutely absolutely um so thinking domestically, uh, turning to the UK and without a crystal ball, so I know this is a really difficult yeah. question, what do you think the prospects are for the UK exhibitions industry in 2021? Um, I think that um, a lot of it's underpinned by government. And, you know, this is the first time in my sort of professional career that we've been at the behest of the government, or we've been, you know, sort of so beholden to what the government do. Um, and as you know, you know, through the AEO and through the EIA, so effectively the whole industry, I think that's the other thing that's really come out of this is the way that we have responded as a UK exhibition industry um, across both the organising community, but more broadly across the whole of exhibitions. So, uh, and I'm, you know, sort of proud and, and incredibly amazed at how we've all coalesced and come together under this, um, you know, under this situation. Um, and I think, therefore, you know, we are daily, you know, hourly getting on to government to say, you know, when can we get a date? We need a date. Um, and obviously, when we get that date, we need to then start building confidence. Um, so the permission is absolutely key. Uh, the confidence will flow because I know that what we will do in terms of the events that we will run will be safe, secure, uh, vibrant, targeted, great events. But it, it's just getting that initial, getting over that hurdle, and it's a significant hurdle. Um, and it's one that we are, you know, as I said, battering down the doors through those three trade associations, through the collective sort of voice of the industry, through media, through, I mean, honestly, it's the, the guys that are running those organisations have done a spectacular job um, in lobbying and, and, and getting the message over to government. Um, and pretty much as we said at the beginning that, you know, we want to be part of the recovery. Um, we are safe. 
um, we feel at the moment that we are slightly um, uh, under. We have been almost separated out from a lot of other sectors that, in our view, um, are less safe. But at the same time, we're not being given permission to, to run. So you know, it's incredible to see cinemas, you know, sort of streaming football matches with 500 people and, you know, Arsene Wenger's book launch and all of these things and re retail malls and, you know, all of which are significantly less organised and planned and um, not subject to risk assessments in the same way that we are, you know, the all secure, you know, sort of uh, protocols that, that you will be aware of. You know, I think a, a really sound and, and a, a government have already said that they're, they're pretty class leading. So it, it, it amazes me that we're not being able to run. It is. It's um, the one kind of example that keeps coming back in my head that I just cannot understand is how you can go to a big shopping centre like the Metro Centre yeah. up in the northeast or Meadowhall in Sheffield. And yeah, you've just scan your details, but you, nobody's making you do that. You could walk in and no. not do it. Um, but, you know, yeah. somebody coming through an exhibition hall, you would know exactly who they were, exactly where they live. You'd have ab absolutely every bit of data on them. So you, yeah. you touched there briefly on um, the a AEO and the other organisations and how you've been involved in um, the, the lobbying and the PR campaigns around trying to get a reopening date. Just in terms of your role as chair of the AEO, can you give us an update on, I know there's been a phenomenal amount of work over the last few months, just in terms of helping produce guidelines and supporting the industry, supporting suppliers in the industry. So just give us some more of the specifics about what you've been working on over the summertime to help us all. Yeah, so um, lots of different things and, and the individual organisations. So just to explain, um, the AEO is obviously the organisers wing of the EIA, which is the um, alliance that effectively brings together venues, contractors and organisers. Uh, and then um, there is obviously ESSA um, who look after contractors uh, and then the AEV that look after the venues, which is actually run by my wife. So I have to declare um, interest there. But um, those three organisations have been um, obviously uh, been lobbying on their own behalf of their own members, but we've also been lobbying collectively as well. So um, and that has taken a number of different routes um, largely through government. So we've been very lucky to have uh, Darren Johnson as um, my predecessor uh, as chair. So he works for Relex um, and Relex have offered up their um, corporate affairs and lobbying organisation. So we've been using them, as I said, daily to get into um, various avenues of, of various parts of government. So DCMS and, and Bayes being the two big areas which we've been concentrating on but we've also then obviously sent open letters to the Prime Minister, to Rishi Sunak, to various ministers um, and then more recently uh, our campaign is focusing on, on backbench MPs as well and, and trying to get a groundswell of constituency MPs who all of whom will have been impacted in some way by obviously that um, in, in their constituencies. Um, so it's getting a group together that will then bring pressure to bear um, so that's been constant. Um, the other part of it has been through media. So as you will have seen, we've all been um, on various news channels um, trying to, to, to really you know, think about the human interest story around this um, and the fact that you know, we've got something like 114,000 jobs that depend on our sector, £8 billion worth of economic impact, all of which you know, every day that we don't have a date, 
you know, is a threat to livelihoods, it's a threat to the UK economy, it's all of those things. And those messages, I think, are, are hitting home. Um, but we're obviously competing with a lot of other noise and we're trying to elevate and get cut through through multiple channels, as I mentioned. Um, and we are, to be fair, you know, the level of, um, of engagement with government we now have is, again, far um, outweighs anything that I've ever seen within the sector. Um, so we are getting cut through um, and we are hopeful of, of obviously making them um, aware of, well, I mean, obviously they, they're now aware of the sector, but it's just getting that date. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, um, you know, it's so frustrating for those those of us who thought we might be starting again in, in October and you plan to do that. Yeah. Everybody gets excited and it, it kind of October gets cancelled, but you still know clarity and we've shows that no. are kind of Q1 2021 and you're thinking, well, should we be planning for those? Should we not? You know, what, yeah. when is it, when are we actually going to get this opening day? And so understandably, yeah. a lot of kind of clients that we speak to and exhibitors are really nervous about investing time and resource and effort into planning for a show that might fall in the first half of 2021. Mm. We're trying to say to them, whether that show happens or not, that organiser can help you connect with that audience. So yeah. plan as though you're going to do the show and keep talking to that audience. Find the people you want to talk to because you're going to need to talk to them for your recovery. But understandably, yeah. there's quite a lot of nervousness about are they even going to be safe? Am I just wasting my time and effort? And visitors as well thinking, should I be thinking about going to this show? Should I not? What, what would your advice be for anyone thinking of, exhibitors really primarily thinking of investing in a show next year who's just nervous about whether they should go ahead or not? Yeah, well, I mean, we've demonstrated quite clearly that we can run shows. I mean, and, and that's the, the frustrating thing is that, you know, if you look at France, Germany, China, you know, Japan, um, you know, Dubai, there are lots of countries that are running events, you know, high, reasonably high densities, but within, um, you know, guidelines and protocols that ensure that they're safe. You know, we can do that. We know we can do that. You know, each event is individually risk assessed. Uh, and therefore, I, you know, there is no doubt in my mind that we can run events safely. Um, uh, and then it is really about the fact that, you know, the importance that these are to, to their business and to the, the economy more broadly. You know, we, we have, these are really um, important um, events for us to get running. When they do get running, I'm sure, as I said, the recovery will be, recovery will be quick, um, but it is just getting that initial, um, that initial date. The other thing that we need to do is absolutely ensure that we get support measures for, for impacted businesses. So, you know, the, 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 we rely on, a, a complicated supply chain of other suppliers and we need to ensure that you know when we are ready that those businesses still exist so the contractors um you know the electricians the logistics people the hotels all of those uh, related industries so that you know that ecosystem that we operate within um also needs to be uh, ready to go uh, and you know they are, but at the same time, the other message that we're we are sending to government is that we do need support packages to ensure that that those businesses, those really vital components of what we do, um, are still um, in business. And I think that's such a, a crucial point in terms of the viability of businesses. We've talked a lot, we've heard a lot of Richie Sunak saying um, we can't save every job, we can't save every business. So they're wanting to support viable businesses. And actually in this industry, there were hundreds, thousands of viable businesses that just yeah. can't work. There was nothing fundamentally wrong, our, our own business no. included, 
with the business model, as long as exhibitions are running, can be very profitable, good employers, solid businesses. It's just you've put our whole industry on hold and therefore we cannot yeah. work. So as soon as yeah. that industry starts again, we'll be okay. But if there's no support until then, we are going to go and find something else or retrain or something else because what other choice do people have? And it would be such a shame to lose all that talent out of the industry. Well, and not only that, but I think you're seeing events making a decision as to whether they run in the UK. You know, I, I think genuinely there will be events that said, right, okay, we'll move to mainland Europe or we'll move elsewhere because actually if this if this does if this government doesn't recognize the um, importance and the significance and the economic impact that our events have on UK PLC, then we'll go elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's tragic because if you think about the UK and its contribution to the exhibition industry, uh, you know, it's been long lasting and profound, you know, that the, the big characters, the big businesses that have come out of the UK are, are legendary, you know, there's, there's so many, you know, and, I, and I don't think necessarily there was an appreciation by government of that fact. Um, of you know how um, economically significant we are, and and also how a lot of the you know sort of IP and a lot of the you know the heritage of exhibitions kind of emanates from the UK. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And so talking about getting the show floor open again, and as all hopefully being back there next year. Um, what have you missed most this year about being out and about on the show floor, and what are you looking forward to in twenty twenty one? So it's a bit like we said at the beginning, it's that kind of the smell of the grease paint and the, the roar of the crowd. It's that kind of just being, that sounds really corny, but it's actually being there and seeing, and the adrenaline, the reason why, as I mentioned at the beginning, I got into these events is because of that, um, because of the, you, you see there's a palpable sense of what you've created um, and that deals are being done and that people are, you know, interacting, networking, friendships have formed, networks have, you know, sort of extended, all of those sorts of things. So that, firstly. But then the other thing I think probably the most significant is that when a, when a plan comes together, it's that being on site with a team and, and just, you know, the last, you know, when, when that tunnel goes out and says, and the event's over, you know, it's knowing that, you know, you've done a good job and that the team's really worked really hard and you've, you know, you've survived on, a, on adrenaline for three or four days, but at the same time, it's been really worthwhile. Um, so that the last, I'm a bit too old for it now, but the last night party is, is always the good the good <laughs> culmination of what hopefully has been a great show for, for the market and for the exhibitors and the visitors. So um, I'll miss that. And um, we had, um, it's interesting that, uh, one of the events that did take place was run by a good friend of mine, Andrew Evans, so the Concord at Elegance. So he's coming the, on in, on the show in a couple of weeks. Is he? Is he? Brilliant. Well, he'll be great. But um, so uh, and one of the things that so and he invited some organisers to go to to his show in June. Um, and, you know, literally everybody was there. And it was so great just to see everybody. Uh, and face to face and and it was again you could just see everybody's eyes light up that we've managed to get a show going and you know we're all still here so which was great uh so i think and that is one of the you know if you think about this awful situation and 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 the you know the the damage and devastation that it's wrought on the on our business um one of the things that you know has been great is actually how we've as i mentioned earlier on how we've all come together um, and realise what a great business we are, you know, privileged to work in. Um, and at the same time, you know, that, you know, we all want collectively to get through this and we will do. 
Uh, and, and I do think that, as I said, underpinning this is a great business uh, that will flourish and, and survive. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that feeling of you'll have done it, seen it, been there a, a million times where it's about eight o'clock the night before a show opens and you're looking at what sort of appears to be complete carnage across the show floor yeah. and you're thinking, yeah. on earth is this going to be ready by nine o'clock tomorrow morning? And somehow that trade show magic it just It always happens. does, doesn't it? It always, always. does. Always, oh, yeah. no matter what's going on, and you yeah. think, no way this is going to be open. And then you walk in at seven o'clock, eight o'clock the next morning, ready to go, and you're like, oh my God, how, how, did, how can it look this yeah. good? You know, it's just exactly. that feeling we'll never always, goes away. We'll always find some um, some marks on the carpet somewhere. Yeah. Though, don't <laughs> <we>? <laughs> There'll always be some snaggings. But yeah, no generally it, it gets done, and we've got amazing ops people. And, you know, again, they've, you know, we've seen our ops team really kind of convert to other you know what we're doing is obviously to try and reschedule events so there's a lot of stuff going around that but also a lot of them have been involved in the virtual um events as well in terms of making sure that you know lending their skills you know their organizational project management skills to that as well yeah absolutely and i think that's a really crucial point about those ops teams and health and safety teams that we've talked a lot about in um, in things we've been doing the last few weeks is that those teams are used to managing risk it's what they do day in day yeah. out whether that's about yeah terrorist risks or whether it's about other healthcare risks whether it's about just making sure stands don't fall over and kill somebody you know, they are used yeah. to managing all of that risk this is just another risk that they will mitigate it is no different they will look up at what the risks are they'll understand the measures that need to put in place and then they'll execute them brilliantly because that's what yeah. they do day in day out so couldn't, couldn't agree more couldn't agree more yeah. So it has been a pleasure having you on the show. We, um, we've got a few more episodes lined up over the next few weeks, but who else do you think in the industry would be interesting for us to speak to? So I mentioned it earlier on, actually, and Sandy would be great because yeah. I think Sandy Angus would be, you know, sort of, uh, he's got such a wealth of experience and, and says it as it is and is just brilliant. Um, I think Risby, so Jane Risby um, would be, I think, you know, a, a really inspirational speaker. She's she's great in terms of the way that she builds teams and thinks about the industry. She thinks about the industry very differently from from pretty much everybody, which is great. Um, and maybe even a, a, not even a, so that sounds awful. But one of the, the the venues have been through an enormous amount throughout this, and you know we've got some really great advocates and eloquent sort of. Um, uh, advocates of our industry in Paul, Nigel, or Jeremy—you know the three that that kind of spring to mind. Um, so any of those as well. Perfect. We would love to get a venue on board. I will. Um, I'll pick it with those guys because I think it would be great to hear from them in terms of how it's been over the last few months yeah. and trying to play the the jigsaws, the fitting shows in that have had to to move and um, you know the chaos. Yeah, and thinking about what it's going to look, how it's going to reemerge, and and therefore how do they reposition their venue you know what's how we you know experience is what we're all trying to do and, and create great experiences and how is this going to impact and how can we mitigate that yeah. uh, and venues obviously go a, go a long way in in doing that yeah absolutely um, and it's just when you think about um you know venues uh, contractors um, organisers, exhibitors, it's a massively collaborative industry anyway. I think that's why a lot of us love it because we just get to work across so many different yeah. parts of it, but everybody just pulls together and makes things happen. And as you said many times in the course of our conversation today, it's just been fantastic to see that collaboration and support for each other over the last few months and, and long yeah. may that continue. So 
So we are rounding up towards the end of um, of our chat uh, today. So thank you so much for your time, Simon. It has been great speaking to you. There's loads of stuff in there that people will find really interesting. Um, one question, so. <laughs> one question we're asking everybody at the moment: What has got you through lockdown the last few months, and any good habits that you will be keeping up? Yeah, I mean, the big one for me has been, I've always been a bit of a runner, but I've been running literally every day. So, or well, you know, not every day, but certainly five times a week. And I think that that um, has really kept me. So I think keeping healthy, I think, has um, has really, really helped. Um, so therefore, that is the big one. Um, you know, and it, it's had its positives in the sense that, you know, I, I, we've got a, um, two older girls and we spent a lot of time with them so as a family so I, you know the fact family and running have been the two really good things that I've enjoyed about this dreadful situation yeah I'm totally with you on the running I've been very much in that camp as well and kind of running at least every every other day and it's just the most amazing thinking time you know that exactly it's yeah. whether it's outside it's just space away from a screen to just think it's it's great yeah you can either take that route or the booze and chocolate route so yeah um, <laughs> or you can kind of do both, or both. Yeah. Yeah, you can, yeah you can one one justifies the other credit yeah. debit that's what we're all about Ex- exactly yeah good point Brilliant. well, well thank thanks. you very much i've, I've really enjoyed it so thank uh, you. yeah thank you simon you've been great and if anybody wants to get in touch with you you're on linkedin they can just um connect with you through yeah. there and, and Absolutely. Carry on the conversation if anyone wants more. Brilliant. Thank you so much. You have to. been a fantastic guest, and we are looking forward to seeing you on the show floor at some point next year. Hopefully. Let's hope so. Thanks, Nicola. Thank See you, you later. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Thank you to Simon there for a great conversation about everything that is happening in his world in exhibitions. Now, the Exhibitionist podcast would normally come to you fortnightly. But because we have had so many people who wanted to get on the show and talk about what they're doing, we are going to increase this. And as a bonus, we're going to go out weekly between now and Christmas at least. So coming uh, next week in the 40th episode of the Exhibitionist podcast, we have Nikki West from The Fit Show. We mentioned we were working with The Fit Show earlier, so we were really keen to talk to an event organiser about the challenges they face this year how they're overcoming them and what they're looking forward to. So that episode will be out next Tuesday with Nikki West of Montgomery. So thank you so much for listening to us today. It is fantastic to be back talking to you again. We love hearing from you all. So please do get in touch, tweeters, emailers, whatever way you want to talk to us, please do get in touch. As usual, you can visit the www.inspiringexhibitors.com website and sign up there for our fortnightly newsletter where we'll be sending you hints and tips uh, of how to make the most of your exhibitioning. And you can also find over on the website a special Black Friday deal on the Exhibitionist book and a journal. So grab that while we're in lockdown and make sure that you're making the most of your time while you can't go out. So thank you once again for listening. If you need anything at all from us, even if it's just a coffee and a Zoom and a chat about what's going on and to see if there's anything we can do to help, please do get in touch. We'll be back next week with that new episode and happy exhibitioning. Pop over now to inspiringexhibitors.com to subscribe to our newsletters, blogs and future podcasts that keep you up to date with the latest news and industry insight. While there you can also find out more about our book The Exhibitionist, Inspiring Trade Show Excellence. Once again, thank you for listening and we hope to see you on a trade show floor soon.